0: Started getting sassy. We're
1: having some of Pappy's cough syrup. <laughs> Disgusting. Disgusting. You'll be doing the same by the end of the night. I guarantee <laughs> it. Uh, all right. Should we start with that?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the Scotch on the Rocks. Please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Gow, any Glen.
4: i rum gone. I'm
1: thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a
4: beer?
3: Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. only found on one island you know story goes these great big rats come scuttling off the slave ships and raped all the little tree monkeys you know the natives use them in black magic rituals really? yeah don't ask me how probably suck the blood of virgins eh? eh?
0: I want to sit down
2: wow Talking about uh, Braindead? Let's start with that. Should we call it by its uh, New Zealand name, or are we going to go... I don't know if it was only America, but uh, Dead Alive. Yeah, until until the uh, the internet and
0: IMDb, I only ever knew it as Dead Alive.
2: Admittedly, Braindead's probably a little bit more fitting for what you're about to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree. Not for Mensa members, no.
2: I think this will be kind of a strange episode, this might be like a, uh, a first-time situation where we have an obvious classic with Groundhog Day that probably has only grown in esteem throughout the years. And it was it was a hit mm-hmm. when it came out. Um, Jared, I don't know if you have the numbers. I usually don't ask this early, but what, what did it do box office-wise?
1: $70,906,000 on a $14.6 million budget. All right. Wow. So
2: big hit back in uh, February of 93. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, twenty five years ago, and then uh, we have Brain Dead, which I'm sure
1: didn't do anywhere near that. <laughs> it had a three million dollar budget, and it grossed two hundred and forty two thousand dollars. Okay, not a hit. Mm.
4: Mm-hmm. But not a
2: hit. Uh, like I was saying with Groundhog Day, I think it's one that's probably grown in estimation, uh, mainly due to Peter Jackson going on to uh, direct primarily Lord of the Rings. Uh, but he kept taking steps up, even the there was the Frighteners in
1: between the mid nineties mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I can't imagine any executive signing off on a Lord of the Rings franchise after uh yeah, we we'll was popping this uh VHS of Braindead, see what you think.
2: It's very uh similar and so I'm, I'm just assuming if our uh any listeners have not seen brain Dead, the thing I had and I had seen this before. I watched this um I'll play the hipster card. I, I watched this uh, even before oh, totally. Even before Frighteners, mainly just because <laughs> of the cover. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, the, the video store, primarily us growing up in the same small town, um, anything that was going to be considered art house or indie would have to be horror for our little small town video store to purchase a copy because horror movies just rent no matter what they are, just back in the mm, day. That's yeah. just people will try anything. And this has kind of a goofy cover. Um, it's the one I remember still on the, on the wiki page here it's a a woman like opening her mouth and there's like a goofy (laughs) skull like character just like staring back so it does look like a comedy um so it's funny you would you
0: would mention that experience too because uh as we'll go into and we've probably hinted at it before that i've never been a huge horror fan and i've opened up to it more since i've gotten older but like when i was young even I less like, no, on gore. No, yeah. Oh, it was. It was mainly because of the gore. It wasn't the the scariness. It was the the, hmm. the gore. But uh, I had a weird fascination that even though I had no desire to watch it, I would go to the video store and walk up and down the horror movie aisle and just like, well, that looks disgusting. That looks terrible. And you know, like it just. I don't know why I had. Is a it like a mini
2: it. haunted house for you? Just walking and looking I, at the scary I covers. Guess,
0: hmm. I guess. But uh, Dead Alive was one of them that always jumped out to me. It's like I, I vividly re- remember always seeing that monster thing. I'm like, well, that looks
2: like the worst one. I don't want to see that. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, well, uh, so I'll throw it out there for you. We'll start with uh, Brain Dead or Dead Alive. Um, so, Josh, was this a first-time watch for you then? It was. I held on to that childhood. like <laughs> I don't think I need that in my life. Uh,
0: for and a, then for I a told you time. otherwise.
2: I was like, yeah, you're going to need this with a, a double feature with Groundhog Day, naturally.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never knew that I would need it for a non-professional hobby that I didn't get paid for. <laughs> but
2: yeah, this is I a uh, money-losing venture is what podcasting is. <laughs> it's all <in> the red. <laughs> Uh, what, what about you, Jared? You're more of a and you're on the records being more of a, a horror guy, so um, mm. this seems like you know just your Sunday afternoon fair. This is just something you'd have on in oh, the background. Yeah.
1: We just put this on at Christmas, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I like like you all said, I always vividly remember that uh box art, but because I lived in such a sheltered household, I was never allowed obviously to rent dead alive. It was usually some uh you know, I watched Disney films up until I was like 10 or 11 years old because mom absolutely refused to let us watch much of anything.
4: What about
2: the Frighteners? Because um, that's, that's almost feels like uh, Jackson taking it like a PG 13 step into doing his style. Because I know me and Josh mm-hmm. watched that as kids, mm-hmm. and we were pretty excited about it too.
1: Certainly. Yeah, uh, certainly softer than Dead Alive, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I didn't get to watch that until much later either because ghosts and ghouls were <laughs> not allowed in the household. <laughs>
2: <so>. <laughs> oh, and that's uh that's how you raise the nasty hellcat <laughs> with that repression that's there. The nasty
1: hellcat goes wow.
0: Oh my god.
2: Um I I had seen this before, and I think I liked it a lot better when I was a teenager. Just because, um, I would I would liken Jackson's career and probably this movie, uh, to being like early Sam Raimi. So if Sam Raimi got to do Spider Man, mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings is basically Jackson's Spider Man. Although it's probably a little bit closer to his style because he still has monsters and violence and carnage. Uh, yeah, but this year, I mean, I I I think. Maybe there could be some kids who were disappointed if they picked this up expecting, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre type gore. Instead, they get, like, Three Stooges or Charlie Chaplin sort of set pieces. (laughs) And you still get a chainsaw, and you get a lot of gore and a lot of blood. uh, But it is decidedly played for laughs. Like, the gorier it gets, it's probably the sillier it's getting as well. Because for people who have not seen it, (laughs) I mean, the basic premise is that uh, this – rat demon creature. I don't know. (laughs) I believe the origin and I had forgotten this, although I don't know why this wasn't, uh, carved into my brain, like uh, something like Chuck and Buck, but (laughs) that the origin of this, (laughs) this, and I'm going to play a clip from Chuck and Buck right here. Just to terrify our (laughs) listeners.
4: (laughs) So what should we do? Oh, I got to wake up early tomorrow. I think we should play a game. You mean like trivial pursuit or something? Yeah. Or like, you know.
3: What?
1: Like some other kind of game.
3: Like what?
4: Carl? what are you talking about? Like one of those games where you stick your dick in my
1: mouth and I stick mine in yours, chuck and buck, suck and fuck.
2: Um, oh, the the, uh, the rat! I believe there's a scene at the zoo where. You know the zookeepers like you know the story goes, the legend goes that this rat skirted off the ship and raped all the monkeys on the <laughs> island. <laughs> Which is, you know, I'm thankful that uh, Peter Jackson didn't take us all the way back to to the I, uh, the making of those creatures.
0: Oh uh, yeah, we, we the last thing we need is like a bunch of monkeys
2: holding me two songs. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, I'm going to leave uh, that in. Uh, please follow us at Silver Cinema.
3: <laughs> Send your
2: comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> I usually say Jared answers all those uh, <laughs> queries, but he may forward them on to Josh. <laughs> like, are
1: you seeing this? Yeah, you might need this this week. Uh, the week that we release this one, you might want to take over the Twitter account. I'll let you do
2: that. <laughs> so... I don't know where I fall on this one because I think as a teenager I just sort of it, it sort of admired it in that way that I did the Evil Dead series where I'm like, hey, it's cool to see something uh, almost deflate the uh, the allure of the like the horror genre to be like the nastiest thing you've ever seen, and then you know take the wind out of its sails a little bit and make it, I guess, more palatable. I mean, what you're seeing is not palatable, but uh, as someone like Josh who probably didn't like horror movies that much, I would lean towards these the goofier ones uh anyway watching it again as an adult i don't think it did as much for me but i still kind of admire that that extreme style but i wouldn't say this is one that after this podcast over i'm probably i probably have had my (laughs) my (laughs) full share of rats raping monkeys and then eating people afterwards but i don't know (laughs) maybe it is maybe this there's a there's something out there for everyone on the internet so i'm sure brain dead has its slash fiction somewhere (laughs) Uh... (laughs) josh i'm gonna toss to you you're an expert on that (laughs) Uh, yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah. i love me some slash fiction uh okay so yeah this was my first time watching it and uh, what you hit on the head that was the the very first thing once i started getting the the tone of the movie and the over the top uh gore and effects was uh the evil dead movies that was immediately what it took me back to uh tone wise which uh you're right for the most part um being somebody who uh i mean we joke i've my stomach has (laughs) toughened up quite a bit since i was (laughs) young I, i watched a lot of A lot of different movies now that, you know, has unpleasantries in it. So, uh, you've also started drinking. So, I don't don't know if there's a correlation
2: between the two. That
0: helps. Yeah. 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 A little liquid courage. But, uh, so for the most part, that is, that is the, uh, that is the case here that it's just, you know, it's silly. It takes, like you said, it it deflates it, it takes the the sting out of it. With exception, there was one scene that, uh, has had me gagging days (laughs) later. Uh that hot and, uh, huh? I, oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, I would say I probably am not in the minority on this but
2: the custard scene
0: Dear Lord. I think you
2: even texted us uh, about that and I was like thank you oh, it for was, that that image. I had already It was the moment. It was the moment I saw it. I think I texted like Dear Lord the Custard. Uh <laughs> Which out of context. And, I should throw that up on the Twitter account cuz just <laughs> just as a screenshot of Josh Dear Lord the Custard I'm like all right. going to share this with the world. Yeah.
0: I mean, I as I watched it, it was bad enough, but I kind of, like, there's so much going on. It's like, okay, moving on. But That was the one scene, that, like, two days later, I was, like, sitting in a chair, and all of a sudden I think about it, and I start dry heaving, like, Ugh, uh, like, fighting, like, you know, throwing up just from the thought of it. So that, that part was pretty terrible. But, uh, you know, otherwise, I won't take a, a, a huge... Custard dump on this movie. It's, uh, You're just it's
2: really not... giving us
1: a lot of hashtags to work with this week. A custard dump. I, I, I have to say, that's the first I've ever heard those words put together. Uh,
0: there, there's a there's an audience for this movie. I think
1: I, I, I'm I, so I, thankful. I
2: definitely... Those are Jared. You don't hear those words often. Like time for another custard dump.
1: As many stomach problems as I have, I've never described it as custard dump. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terrible. what would y'all say that for?
2: <laughs> uh, that is part There's of the joy of podcasting that everything is on the record. Because uh, I don't, know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jared, New you should probably like it warm. even more because uh, usually all the nasty stuff gets blamed on you. So we know we actually know the ways, origin yeah.
1: of the custard dump <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on record. So it's definitely not me. It's Joshua this time.
0: Well, that's, that's what nasty Hollywood does. It gets into our brains. <laughs> watching, watching Brain Dead this week uh, has ruined me.
2: Jared, you, you actually said something, just kind of what Josh said. Um, so you're saying you don't, you don't see having watched Brain Dead as far as like how Peter Jackson came to be, as far as like uh, seeing this, you don't see the
1: steps made where it's like, let's give this man some more money. Yeah, I don't see the connections. I, I don't know how in the world he got work afterwards. Like, I... <laughs>
3: <laughs> put that on I mean, the poster
1: I, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong i really enjoyed the movie i, I hadn't watched it before in the first time it, it the best way i can describe it is like it had its own mystery science theater commentary built into it mm-hmm. like <laughs> like yeah. kind of that goofy commentary on horror movies but it didn't take itself seriously um I think it won me over when the priest said I kick ass for Christ and started uh, <laughs> doling out roundhouse kicks. And Friday no, drops. and no, uh,
2: there's no like background really to that happening. No, completely uh, it... out of the left field. <laughs> Uh other than and there's also a sequence that I read later, uh the park sequence, where for whatever reason our main character takes this yeah, yeah. zombie baby <laughs> out what for a stroll. Doing, hey. I
1: mean I guess it works.
2: <laughs> I'm just gonna I guess my, my theme on this show is gonna be reading little trivia where directors just waste lots of money and I admire them for that. <laughs> and apparently he came under budget by like sixty-five grand. <laughs> and and was still and had like a few more days left and he's like i know what i can do with that 65 grand is <laughs> filmed a, a baby's day out with the zombie baby because you watch the movie and you're like why is this even happening why would he even take a baby out for a stroll that could you know inflict this disease on people it's because peter jackson had 65k that he wanted to blow just set on fire and uh, i was
1: wondering man because even even amongst all the absurdity of the film that was one of the scenes that stuck out I was like what the hell is he doing? Taking the baby out for a stroll? Like that's that's so <laughs> weird. Even for as much weirdness as going on in the film, you see that's actually the stuff I can appreciate, though, because otherwise, like otherwise
0: you're just signing up for the, the the gore fest, which you know that's not. I don't really understand that. I mean, it's fine if that's a part of a movie, but if that's all the movie is, uh, I mean, I guess there's just some people that get their jollies off on that. I guess, but I. At, at the very least, I can say that. Same with custard or, or dumps.
1: Arm. Right, right. <laughs> Nothing is horrible as a custard dump.
2: <laughs> but... Continue, please. <laughs> yep. uh,
0: the absurdity, I appreciate because, it, you know, it doesn't, you can't really draw the line at baby's day out with the zombie baby. Uh, I mean, he's got, like five of them in his basement that he's like trying to take care of you know he's feeding them you know spoon feeding them trying to teach them manners and uh it, it really is quite absurd quite absurd uh it it doesn't really turn into beyond some of the things like the custard and, and some mild mild uh gore it really just turns into the you know the flat out Insanity. I guess the the last third of the movie, you know, just the the, the huge zombie climax. party,
2: basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, up to that, it was actually hinging on being more comedic than what it even was horror, because it was <laughs> again just this absurd scenario of him taking care of these zombies in his house, uh, which I did. I was not expecting when I signed up for this movie. Uh, one one other point I will make before we I hand it back over to you guys is uh, I I can at least see. Uh, looking at this movie and saying, yeah, Peter Jackson would be somebody capable of the visual effects that would probably be required of something like Lord of the Rings. To because you know, he doesn't shy away from this. There's a lot of stuff in a lot of standard horror movies where they pull away, like you know, somebody gets their arm thrown in the, the lawnmower, you don't still technically see that. No, in this, you do, you see the hand and the arm just go mulched right in there, and uh. It's, you know, for as much as I don't really find it pleasant, it was pretty entertaining to see that he convincingly, you know, created those effects, and that is an aspect of what you would
2: want from somebody to get a, a franchise like Lord of the Rings to be able to pull off. Look those, what he did with 65 grand! I mean, whole <laughs> whole set piece. <laughs> That's right. I think the thing I like <laughs> best about it. Uh, sort of stepping away from it. Um, like I said, it's probably not one I'm going to throw on again anytime soon is I do admire the commitment to the set pieces themselves. Cause some of those sequence, I mean the party sequence, once it pretty much starts, it's like 20, 25 minutes of just mayhem. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he follows right. through on every bit of it as far as the layout of where all these like sort of zombie attacks and the survivors are mm-hmm. is handled really well. Like he, the way he sort of, you know, he does the opposite of, I guess, whatever, uh, like, Return of the Jedi, people kind of complain about now as far as cutting from, like, one really cool thing. Or maybe Phantom Menace is a better example, cutting away from Duel the Fates to, like, Anakin, like, screaming in his <laughs> shit. Like Everything he cuts away to here, I'm just as invested in. Like, he's got these, like, four or five different awesome zombie fights going on. And they all kind of, like a domino effect, like, relate to the other as far as where characters then end up at, which room and which weapons are available that sequence I probably would watch again and I could say like, okay, yeah, this guy, he at least knows how to tell like a good action scene. He knows how mm-hmm. to set things up. Yeah, he has good pacing.
0: And there were some of those things, again, even though they were kind of on the horrific side, some of them were, were uh, set pieces or just um, <laughs> moments that were in a weird way kind of beautiful even though they were like the uh, the zombie getting its head impaled on the uh, the lamp and like it was like iridescent, like glowing, you know. I was like, that it's like a really cool effect that I didn't expect <laughs> to see. You're a freak, And it's not Josh. even really gory. You're a freak. What's that? <laughs> I like
2: yeah, well the, the iridescent lighting. <laughs> <like> the zombies' <laughs> brains explode and it looked like something out of tree of life. <laughs> well, <laughs> <beautiful>. <laughs> There's
0: just a lot of stuff that I don't know. I guess as you get older you start to realize that some of the stuff from your youth should look pretty dated and look you know there's just a lot of stuff from our youth that when you go back and watch it the the effects are less than good and well uh, less
2: than what your memory of them was too right like if you just just should have left that behind just as it was in your mind yeah
0: and there were several moments in this where i was like that's still impressive that still looks pretty cool you know it's it's impressive that he did it so yeah, I think I think there's some there's some good aspects to this film, even beyond its insanity.
4: I'm sorry?
3: What was that again? I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think.
4: Because you survived a car wreck? You folks ready to order?
3: I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh really? every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender, I am an immortal. Special today is blueberry waffles. Why are you telling me this? Because I want you to believe in me. You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking. I could come back if you're not ready. How do you know I'm not a god?
4: (laughs) Oh, please. How do you know? Because it's not possible. Come on.
3: Doris. This is Doris. Her brother-in-law, Carl, owns this diner. She's worked here since she was 17. More than anything else in her life, she wants to see Paris before she dies. Oh, boy, what are you doing? This is Debbie Kleiser and her fiancé, Fred. Do I know you? They're supposed to be getting married this afternoon, but Debbie is having second thoughts. What? Lovely ring. This is Bill. He's been a waiter for three years since he left Penn State and had to get work. He likes the town, he paints toy soldiers, and he's gay. I, I am. <laughs> this is Gus. He hates his life here. He wishes he stayed in the Navy. Well, I could have retired on half pay after 20 years. Excuse me, this is some kind of trick? Well, maybe the real God uses tricks. You know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long. He knows everything. Oh, okay. Well, who's that? This is Tom. He worked in the coal mine until they closed the town. And her? It's Alice. Came over here from Ireland when she was a baby. She lived in Erie most of her life. He's right. And her? Nancy. She. Works in the dress shop and makes noises like a chipmunk when she gets real excited. Hey! It's true. How do you know these people? I told you, I know everything. In about five seconds, a waiter's going to drop a tray of dishes. Five, four, it's three, nuts. two, one. Okay? Okay, <laughs> that's enough.
2: I think the only thing that uh, really ties the two together, other than them coming out on the same weekend, uh, same day, February 12th in the States, 1993, uh, they both have <laughs> uh, curses, that come from these rat creatures. Uh, (laughs) And I guess they both have romances with people in extreme situations, Uh, Mm -hmm. which for the longest time in brain dead, uh, you know, this, this woman that uh, really probably shouldn't have any attraction to our guy, but uh, her family, like her beliefs and fate, and sort of destiny has sort of steered her to thinking he's the one she puts up with quite a bit of nonsense. Like once she realizes that he's got, as you said, Josh zombie family, just in the basement that he's trying to spoon feed and stop from helping yeah. each other, killing each other. Um, I guess the same could be said. And I, I don't know. Cause I, I, we were a bit too young for groundhog day, but, uh, just even after the release of this film, you know, Bill Murray is not your standard romantic lead and they really set him up as bill murray asshole like i mean he's already he's already kind of smart ass but you know ghostbusters he's still like he's the guy you'd want to have around yeah he might crack some jokes your way um this guy at least the way we're introduced to this weatherman uh pretty much has no interest in anyone but himself and just doesn't even have any interest in his job anymore and so i felt like watching it again i was trying to put myself in the mindset of someone 93 watching bill murray as someone that we're going to root for Andy McDowell to commit to, <laughs> to this monster, <laughs> to this <laughs> this curmudgeon. Uh, is that something that you all can, like, do you all see, or is Bill Murray just too iconic at this point as just sort of likable funny man to get back in that headspace that he's a vile creature that Andy McDowell should run from?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just like the description on that, that was nice. Vile creature. Um, <clears throat> It it kind it, it is something that kind of is a conflict going in, you know, 25 years later, Bill Murray is, I mean, he had his stardom then, but he's almost like a revered figure at this point. So in the comedy going back world, in, for sure. Yeah, especially in the comedy world, so you go, it's a conflict between like, sometimes you feel like he's justified in acting the way that he does because those people are incredibly annoying, but also... <laughs> I mean, also, it's you know he's an asshole too, so I. I it, that's an odd dynamic to. Uh, to have a lead character to try to play as, and then, I guess it it ends up being good for his character arc. I can say that, like he, he makes a complete, uh, 180. As I think far that's as a, that goes.
2: that's a good point uh, that you're making there, as far as him being like weaponized against uh-huh. people that we want to see, like. You know, Ned Ryerson is someone that I guess everyone's probably had a Ned Ryerson oh. interaction in their life where it's like you would want to you would want the ability where it's like uh, he's not going to remember how cruel I'm going to be to him. So I'm just going <laughs> to just, you know, fuck with this guy. But the harder part, I think, for the movie. And I wonder, you know, Josh, you probably have seen this a few times. I think all of us have probably seen mm-hmm. this a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it's strangely effective at getting you to want him to start being nicer to these people? Like, we get our jollies with him, like screwing with them. But at a certain point, I th- I, it convinces me where it's like, you know, maybe I'll just like take people a little bit more as they are and stop trying to like put them in this box. And even Ned Ryerson, we see that the easiest path is to kind of just be agreeable and like count, <laughs> counter him, counter him with extreme niceties. <laughs> yeah. Be as, as affectionate as possible. And then oh. maybe that will fight fire with fire. So. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if that's st- stuff, Josh, you're talking about looking back on things when you get older. Has that changed as far as, because obviously watching this as a kid, we didn't have those experiences. But now as an adult, you've had to manage a lot of different personalities throughout your life.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, he, he acts like a jerk. But actually, the, <laughs> the give and take there is that he's actually just being brutally honest. Like, he's actually saying the things that we're all thinking. Mm-hmm. He, he just doesn't have that filter to like not say it or not do it he just he doesn't care i guess he his ego is big enough that he feels like he can he can say and do what he wants so it is amusing you know it is amusing me like ah oh, that feels kind of good to get that out you know to say what you want to say and and everything but uh i you know as far as like the the uh, bill murray conflict as far as whether or not that affected how i saw him or not I don't know. I always felt like he was usually cast to be that jerk, the, the somewhat lovable jerk. And that's still what's going on here. It's just he's swinging a little bit more into the, the jerk side of it at the front of the movie. You know, as Jared said, that way we can see that arc through through the movie. But uh, I tell you, the thing that was it's not really a, a huge scene in the movie, but kind of like what you were saying, Mike, about it kind of speaking to you about how to handle people. Uh, is like it might be the final day i can't remember uh when he's with uh annie mcdowell and he's like they're in the cafe you know early in the day and he's trying to convince her and so he goes to uh you know person each person in the cafe telling them you know like their story and what they're what they got going on knowing everything about them and i'm like yeah how often do we you know in our daily life we're in a restaurant or a, you know a store or just anywhere full of strangers and you just especially if you're the least bit cynical or pessimistic some of these people almost are like you must view them as an obstacle like you're in my way <laughs> <laughs> you know just like uh you know get you know leave me alone uh get of my way and uh the movie does kind of bring that to the forefront of humanizing that there's this whole world of people that you know that you don't know and you're not thinking about who they are but they're just as real as you and they got stuff going on and uh, your life isn't any more important than theirs. And this is all very common sense stuff, but I don't know. The movie just does a really good job of kind of delivering that, that emotion. And I don't know, kind of a desire to want to be better in that way.
2: Well, on that thought, Jared, I guess Mm -hmm. it's something I hadn't really considered until Josh just said it, but how's the movie play now? You know, coming out in 93, it's, It's sort of advancing this, uh, I guess, philosophy on, you know, your surroundings and your community, really, as far as how engaged you are with it. How do you think it plays now with cell phones and social media, though? Because this is, I mean, just to what Josh was saying as far as it's not only amusing him getting to know all these people so intimately. But now you would be even less connected or engaged uh, with that community with those. You wouldn't take that amount of time uh, unless, I guess you're stalking people's statuses everywhere <laughs> connecting with everyone on Facebook but well, that's a very different lifestyle
1: you could uh you could say that it 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 would be much easier to be able to blow these people off if you were to do it in a setting like if they remade it today because you could just say, well, give me your uh, cell phone number, give me your Facebook uh, uh, handle or what, or your name on Facebook, and then I'll get back to you. But you actually have to interact with these people back then, back in 92 and 93. So.
2: Yeah, Ned Ryerson would be on LinkedIn or something. Like give me your contact <laughs> information. <laughs> we'll hook up later. Yeah, give me your ICQ, Ned Ryerson. Ned Ryerson um, is the one that is blowing up your email still. Like <laughs> <offers>. Ned, <laughs> please with the bejeweled requests and soda crush um i just wonder if it would be more off-putting to people now if uh even these these people who are supposed to be sort of small town and you know about their community if if in that sequence josh referenced if people would be like how do you know all that and why do you know all that
1: (laughs) (laughs) it certainly has a more nefarious tone about it instead of being like he does know a lot about me it's more like uh, you've been stalking me. You know too much <laughs> about what I've been saying on uh, Snapchat or Twitter or whatever. It's like, I don't know you. You don't follow me. It would also
0: be a bleaker um, history of what he's been up to. Like if, cause I, I read somewhere, I can't remember that somebody kind of did like a mathematical of like the likelihood of like how long he's been in this loop. And it was like hundreds of
2: years. Or Based something on like the, that. Uh, the talents he acquires.
0: right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, um, it would be much bleaker to think that the reason he knows all this stuff is just because he's logging in to Facebook <laughs> and like just studying versus like, you know, in this movie, he's at least like you, you can envision like, OK, well, for so many days, he decided to sit down and talk to this person and get mm-hmm. to know them. And, and on this day, you know, or so many days, he got to know this person. and That's kind of interesting. You know? like It'd be kind of nice to have the, the amount of time to be able to just right. take it easy and get to know all these people. But yeah, if if that was if that was his experience was for hundreds of years, he was stalking Facebook. Uh, that, that would just be miserable.
2: Yeah. You don't want to see the Jesse Eisenberg version of this movie where he's just staring no. at the screen. You got Trent no. Reznor playing in the background.
1: And... <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, probably not as romantic. So um, this is taking an
1: this is taking an avenue I didn't think we would mm, get to. to I'll,
2: I'll get us on to I'll say. get us back to the romance because that that is the other sort of romance. tie to this is uh yeah there there has to be as I said with the first the first film Brain Dead there's a uh, basically just the the zombie apocalypse really is the tie that binds there it's it's survival you kind of like kind of at a certain point she has to throw down with her love interest because they're both under siege uh, here. I mean, we see multiple times and multiple avenues that Bill Murray tries to take with Andy McDowell. Um, And I don't know, I guess the reading of the ending is he just as acceptance, maybe, is that what finally breaks the curse to you all?
1: I think that one of the lines near the end of the movie is he just states that he's genuinely happy. And I don't know if he did that at any part of the movie before that. And I think that was like the, that, that it was on the last day, but that's what I took from it, is like, he finally found a way to be genuinely happy without any sort of ulterior motive. Like he was happy that day. So and knowing that's that it would reset like, at that mm-hmm, point anyway. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you could probably take some away from just kind of like the standard, uh, working man or woman's, uh, daily grind. You know, we don't live, the, <laughs> we don't live groundhog day over and over and over, but, uh, some people, they can feel like a lot that. of people. Yeah. Yeah. They very much just feel like they're in that loop. And, um, you kind of got to break that curse by just trying to be happy with the good things in your life and trying to enjoy some of the smaller things and, and not, uh, like not getting too lost
2: in the Michael Shannon, hmm? uh, WrestleMania tickets. That's the way you break the curse.
0: <laughs> Wait, that was, that Michael, was Michael Shannon. Shannon. I think that's his first not, screen role. I, I think not, so.
2: Yeah. I did not recognize that. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, he was once a little less crazy looking, uh, when he was just a young man looking forward to going to WrestleMania with his, uh, his new bride to be. Uh, there's That's a amazing. funny story and I may, I may include it in here. Uh, uh, I think he was on Letterman. I don't know. He was on one of the talk shows and they were talking about, you know, his early start, uh, in, in, I guess Hollywood. And he was talking about his big break was Groundhog Day and getting to have scenes with Bill Murray, who's uh, was, mm. was a legend. And
4: listen, uh, I was uh, we we're talking about you. You uh, were in uh, you've been acting since you were a kid, and you were in uh, one of the great Bill Murray films, Groundhog Day. What w- what was that uh, experience? Well, it was a great experience for me. I mean, I, I didn't actually act very much in the movie, but because of the premise, I was there every day because I was mm-hmm. eating an omelet in the diner, so I always had to be there <laughs> eating an omelet in the background. And, uh, but I got to watch Bill Murray and Chris Elliott, who were two of the funniest guys going Sure. And, 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 and at that time, you knew what Bill Murray was in the world of comedy? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, being from Chicago, or not originally from Chicago, but starting my career there, uh, you know, he's a local legend. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Yeah, I saw him one day. I I really wanted to talk to him. It was between takes and he was standing outside of the little diner and he was listening to uh, Talking Heads on the boombox and kind of dancing around a little bit. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Talking Heads is my favorite band. I can't believe Bill Murray likes Talking Heads. So I kind of waddled up to him and I said, hey, so you like the Talking Heads? And he looked at me like, well, I'm listening to them. I'm dancing around listening to them. So I guess the answer would be yes. And I just felt like a moron. So, like, the next day, Harold Ramis came up to me, who was directing the movie. He said, what's wrong? And I said, I think Bill Murray hates me because I I asked him a really dumb question. He said, no, no, no. So when we shoot the last scene, which is the big dance where everybody's coming up to Bill Murray and saying what a great guy he is, Uh, they get to my part of the scene, and Harold holds his hand up and says, now, before we run this, Mike, Bill's got something to say to you. And Bill puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, "Mike, I like you. I really do. We're good. Don't worry about what happened the other day. It's okay. It well, was yeah, this very uncomfortable
2: moment when Bill Murray is like standing there, and he comes up and like grabs shan's arm and is like, You're okay, Mike, you're okay." <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's as Bill Murray as that story yeah. can get. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love, I love Bill Murray stories. Like what was the one where like he, uh, he did something like randomly to a stranger or something and tackled him or something and said, no one will ever believe you. <laughs> like, you know, and
2: like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is the power, I guess, of being Bill Murray. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for our for our premise here because, as I said at the top, both of these have continued to find their, their audience. But Groundhog Day, if you, you probably would talk to anyone on the street, not even like some sort of cinephile, they're going to know what the movie is. And they're going to know what that terminology means as far as like someone experiencing Groundhog Day. Like, Josh, what you're saying, that's become part of our sort of lexicon as far as what that that feeling is, that sensation, not just the holiday. Um, that one has earned its place, I think, rightfully so. Uh, so I guess my question to you both is uh, do you think brain dead, like can you see it garnering anything further than being a cult classic or maybe a curiosity of seeing an early Peter Jackson work? Do you think that it deserves any more attention than that? Or uh, is it, is it good enough where the, the claim that it sort of reached as a, a cult horror movie?
1: I have a hard time suggesting that it should be some sort of classic that everybody should have to watch. Um, you know, just for, content alone you can't even really you can't suggest that to everybody that's not a wide-ranging film but i do believe it deserves a, a good amount of credit just for the the technical expertise the uh the amount of uh, practical effects this 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 thing was like practical effects heaven like i love practical effects in horror movies i think this is i mean as far as volume goes i've probably seen more you know technical uh um uh, better executed uh, effects, but for sheer volume, I mean there's nothing like it there's absolutely sheer no volume movie that I've,
2: brain dead pretty much has all over most any movie i mean
1: you you've got you've got three or four movies worth of gore in this, and it's you know it's obviously off putting but just from when you actually sit and consider how much probably work went into executing all that and the amount of man hours like it's 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 impressive. Like uh, again, not on uh, Groundhog Day level, but you know, I think it deserves its spot amongst uh, you know conversing amongst good movies and uh, achievements.
2: Josh, uh, what about uh, custard fans? I know that's where you're going to go. With this. <laughs> uh, you'll probably never want to eat custard again after this. I um, would say that means this film wins over Groundhog Day. Then I think it's doing a service. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh yeah i mean pretty much to echo jared you know it for for, for your people who love horror you know uh, i i think it's probably a, a classic in those terms um especially if you're into the gore effects and everything and there's definitely that genre that uh you know of movie and that i, I think has its huge following um it is interesting to see Jackson's earlier work and, and it is, it is like Jared joked earlier. It is a bit of a conundrum of like this kind of trying to figure out how he managed to get so much allowance <laughs> with the, the Lord of the Rings movies and not just getting them, but being allowed to have the scope that he had with them, you know, the, the budget and everything. So it, it you know, it, it, it fills in the blanks to some curiosities, but it's not really a film. I, I see me, <coughs> Referring anybody to. Uh, It's a
2: little unfair. I mean, from our premise, you're probably seeing, you know, Ramus and Murray probably kind of at the height of their like comedic powers, I think, with Groundhog Day. Like that was the sort of the peak. And this, uh, you know, to put it more in like, you know, me and Jared really love fantasy baseball. Uh, brain Dead feels more like a like an up and coming prospect. I think cinephiles probably would get a lot out of it as far as seeing what Peter Jackson came from. Right. And yeah. it's it's interesting in that respect. Like I said earlier, I don't know if I'd be that interested in it if it was some, if it was some guy that went on to make just kind of further trashy horror movies. I I don't even know if I'd be talking about it really. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but the same I could be said for Evil Dead. You know, I I don't know if if Sam Raimi had never gone on to do. Anything after that or the you know, Army of Darkness. Well, I think that I think
0: the difference is, is that uh Evil Dead was kind of original in being that way. Whereas This is coming uh, after
2: Evil this Dead. This is coming yeah. after. Right, right. Alright. Well, well, we've crapped on uh we took a custard dump on Peter Jackson there. So everything <laughs> is as it should be. Uh <laughs> we'll we'll do more of that when we get to the lovely bones. If we ever celebrate that anniversary. <laughs> I think that has the distinction of being my least favorite movie I ever talked about on War Machine vs. War Horse. And there was like (laughs) almost a thousand movies on there. And uh, so that's something. Peter Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) accomplished something there. Now I'm intrigued just to see all
0: the movies that you reviewed and knowing that every movie, no matter how bad it is, you liked it a little bit better. Well, we did one episode on
2: on, uh, all three of the human centipedes and we ranked them... (laughs) Ranked Jesus. them as far as the worst one uh, had to be the, the the middle dog as we called it in that. So <laughs> I think we put Human Centipede Two as the worst one, and Human Centipede One got to be the head dog, so didn't have to eat any poop, just a dog cooking. Oh my! <laughs> That's my way of saying Peter Jackson's lovely bones. Uh, he eats yeah, poop. Uh, eats <laughs> and gives it. <laughs> and poops. <to> another mouth.
1: <laughs> eats, poops, and poops poops.
2: There we go. Oh, my God. Uh, well, as I said before, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Sober Cinema.
4: <laughs> and has the, uh, well, I wouldn't call it a friendship, but have you... Have you guys crossed paths since then? Uh, Well, actually, I was in uh, France at the Deauville Film Festival. Oh, well, listen to him, ladies and gentlemen. I just messed up my mic. And uh, I was there with a very small movie that Linda Cardellini happened to be starring in, and apparently they're very good friends. So uh, before the screening, I go into the men's room, and there's Bill Murray standing at the sink washing his hands. And uh, I was very confused. And, but I also, I just wanted to test his memory and see if he remembered. It was 20 years later, so, and he did. He remembered who I Remember was. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, then anything else happened? Is there more to the story? Well, we sat and watched the film, and then uh, we wound up back at his suite later on that evening, eating all kinds of fancy cheese, as you do when you're in as you do yeah, when you're at yeah. the Dovell Film Festival. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>